The first step in getting closer to God is to realize that you need to or that you want to. And the second step in getting closer to God is to realize that it's possible. I want to encourage you to check out my book, Getting Closer to God, Anthologies from the Forefront Trilogy, Book 2. I think this will really be helpful to you in your pursuit of the Lord and help you understand what I learned over the first 30 plus years of my life as a believer, as a minister, and as a missionary in uh, a lot of the countries of the earth. Check it out. Anthologies from the Forefront, Book 2, Getting Closer to God. It's on Amazon. Welcome to From the Forefront, an FX Missions podcast. Stories about courageous souls who felt the call of missions and obeyed. Hey guys, Scott here. Just a little housekeeping item. A number of podcasts here, this one included, was caught on the road in Guanajuato, Mexico. And the audio quality is not as good as it would usually be. Sorry for that. The guys in engineering have done their best. And so we do want you to make the most of this content and would think it'll be a blessing to you. So do enjoy it. Do rate us. Let someone know and be inspired and take action. That's our hope here at FX Mission. So thanks for joining us. And sorry again about the audio challenges that were created by recording on the road. Thanks a lot. Hey, Scott McClelland here with your FX Missions from the Forefront podcast. Thanks for be, being with us. we got a, a great opportunity today. I'm thinking it's going to be great. <laughs> no, I'm here with friends in, uh, in Puebla, Mexico, Josh and Yvonne McNally. Their real names have been redacted. Keeping <laughs> <laughs> uh, You know, I'm just kidding around, but... We've known each other for a few years, I'd say. That'd be safe to say. Yeah, 10 plus. 10, Ten plus. plus, yeah. I think my first trip to, to Esperanza Viva was in 2005, in the fall of 2005. I think it was the fall. But uh, so we're, since we're all getting younger, that's awesome, yeah. right? Yeah, oh, yeah. Fun. So Josh and Yvonne are... Uh, they're they're having me here in their home. This is awesome because I get to spend time with you guys and keep you up late. Yay! <laughs> we love you. Uh, well, it's definitely mutual. I can promise you. And uh, for a reward, I'll get you in and out next time you're in town for sure. Yeah. So, no, but thanks for jumping in here. So, you guys, um, we're here in Puebla. You guys are, you know, you're part of Esperanza Viva. Yeah. Uh, and I don't know like the official names, but. What are, what would what's the official? I mean, I know you guys have a lot going on, but the umbrella sort of organization is that Esperanza Viva. Yeah, that's the one. I think in the yeah. states it would be Living Hope. Living Hope um, International which means right. Esperanza Viva. You know, in okay. Spanish. Um, I think that would be the the umbrella of it all. Okay, and cool. then um, maybe Nations Church here in Mexico. Okay, Nations Church in in Mexico. In Puebla, all of this yeah. is in Puebla. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, all Puebla. This is in Puebla. Yeah, and so for those of you who don't know, Puebla is. I guess it's due east of Mexico City, kind of across the Sierra Madres. Am I saying it right? Does that sound right? Yeah. More or less? Yeah, more or less. 
he's given me the benefit of the doubt, guys. No, yeah. But here we are on the other side of Mexico City from the U.S. And uh, so you guys are a, a little bit younger than me. We, we can just leave it right there. Yeah, nobody needs to know details. It's okay. It's safe. No, but uh, so, Josh, I mean, I met you. I'm not sure if I met you in the U.S. or here. But, I mean, I know I met you when you were spending some years in the U.S. and you were yeah. in school and stuff. Yeah. Uh, were you there in 05? I can't remember. I'd have to go back and count the years. <laughs> yeah, but yeah, yeah. I do remember meeting you um, yeah. in the States. Yeah. So that was right around 05. Yeah. Um, I may not have been here during your first visit. Um, okay. I may have been in the States by then. Okay. So yeah. we crossed paths afterwards. Afterward. Okay. Mm-hmm. That's cool. And then... Um, so you kind of, I mean, as I understand it, and this is like missionary gold, right? Okay. You're born on the field. Yeah, that's yes. that's me. <laughs> they usually say that with like this epic thundering, you know, drama voice. <laughs> born on the field. Yeah, born on the field. A lot of people are okay. dysfunctional because of that. <laughs> a lot of um, strange stereotypes for born on the field. But yeah, I enjoyed it. I had a good experience. Awesome. Well, you're still here, so that yeah. that speaks to uh, to maybe you're uh, you're you're not trending with the averages. Maybe you know that's that's really cool. I, I always thought that was awesome. You know, like a testimony kind of thing. If mm-hmm. it, I mean, from a guy who. Didn't get involved in missions till he was 35, you know, I think born on the field. Wow. Could not be over. You know, you couldn't get over that. Couldn't get higher. So, and you were born in Oaxaca, Mexico. Right. Oaxaca, um, you know, driving, it's about five hours south from where we are right now. Right. One of the more, I would say, like impoverished states in Mexico by comparison. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, really different environment there. We were in the kind of mountainous region, very rural, very remote. Yeah. Um, versus Puebla, the city of Puebla, you know, by Mexican standards. It's one of the more developed um, modern cities in the country. Mm-hmm. So it, it's a lot different, um, yeah. both Mexico, but two different worlds within. Right. And I, I think I loved and enjoyed them both. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 So you grew up in Oaxaca for a lot of your, or some of your childhood. Right. Right up until about first grade. So honestly, okay. um, I don't remember... Um, nearly as much from Oaxaca as I do from Puebla. I would okay. say Puebla is much um, more home than Oaxaca. Okay. Yeah. Well, I've been to Oaxaca, and I mean, I, I in some of my experiences, mm-hmm. even today, as Mexico, of course, has developed a lot over mm-hmm. the last 20 plus years, yeah. incredibly, in fact. Right. You know, Oaxaca's like, in some places, is the land that time forgot, right? Yeah. I mean, mm-hmm. it just, uh, the in terms of, the way time has changed things. Yeah. It hadn't been so much and in the rural areas. Yeah. And they have a lot of culture in Oaxaca. I mean, oh, yeah. Mexico, it's the state where there's um, the most languages spoken. Mm-hmm. They have, um, I hope I'm not exaggerating when I say hundreds of wow. dialects. Yeah. Um, and so a lot of culture, a lot mm-hmm. of art, a lot of language, mm-hmm. um, oh, yeah. things that they're intentional about holding on to. Yeah. So some of the things where time stands still, um, you know, you wish it could do better. But a lot of that, too, is also just their culture right? that they don't want to see fade away, which, yeah. um, you know, some of that is really neat. Yeah, well, absolutely. I still remember, and I, I'm not sure if you, I think you were on this trip that we did and where we were being translated twice. We were doing, uh, like, English to Spanish to... Okay, yeah, mixed echo. Mixed echo, and that yeah. was so awesome. Mm-hmm. I mean, yeah. mind-blowing to hear... Mm-hmm. 
a language being spoken that had no 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 Latin roots or nothing right. that was recognizable. Yeah. I was just like in another world, man. That was yeah. so cool. Of course I had a hard go of it in Oaxaca some because I was used to comfort. <laughs> <laughs> in terms of, you know, whatever was normal at home, you know. Yeah. But it was such a rich experience, like you're saying, culturally incredibly rich and uh, diverse. You know, I've been yeah. around Oaxaca on some of the different sides. But uh, so you were in Oaxaca till first grade. Yeah. And then you guys ended up in Puebla after you know, some I'll get your dad to tell some of those dramatic stories mm-hmm. one day. I'm hoping yeah. I can. But yeah. It was you needed you needed for purposes of uh <laughs> you know, survivability, you guys needed to, you know, not be in Oaxaca. Right. I know that you guys were instrumental in, in getting the gospel to a lot of villages out there kinda for the first time or mm-hmm. in, in some cases definitely for the first time. A lot of built in resistance, some of their kind of, um, uh, I don't know, worldviews that were present didn't really treat evangelical Christianity with a welcome mat. You know, it was right. kind of pushback. And uh, so you guys you guys moved on. You got to Puebla. And your dad, of course, is like, a, to me, a, a pillar, really, mm-hmm. of missions, especially yeah. in this part of Mexico. I've really enjoyed and been honored to be, you know, have a friendship with him these years. Um, what was it like, uh, growing up, you know, as, uh, you know, like twice the height of everyone else yeah. or, you know, you're a good bit taller than me. And yeah. I mean, that's putting it, you know, what mildly, I, I guess <laughs> yeah. I'm probably taller than most folks around here. So what was that like growing up? Um, I can't take credit really for any of the, you know, accomplishments for the gospel and the kingdom. <laughs> I, I was mostly along for the ride. Like I, yeah. I didn't even know what was going on or what we were doing. Yeah. But I guess in some ways it's kind of an advantage. I mean, if you are, are going to be on the mission field um, to have been born there, because this was all that I really knew. So yeah. it didn't seem strange to me. Um, yeah. You know, I, I love where we grew up. I had, you know, friends there. I learned to speak the language with them. And that that was home for us. Mm-hmm. Wow. And then eventually when we came to Puebla, you know, it was the same thing where this became our home. And it wasn't, um, you know, a lot of, you know, friends I have that are missionaries, um, you know, they have kids who came to Mexico after they already had roots in the States. And yeah. I know that can be really tough to leave, you know, family, friends, memories behind. But mm-hmm. I, guess, I guess for me it was different because this was always closer to home. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, you, you do always stand out a little bit, um, you know, especially um, in Oaxaca and places like that. I, I was always the tall white dude, but I I don't know. I, I don't feel like people were very um, unappreciative of it. Uh-huh. Yeah, I, I don't feel like I was um, really ever, you know, um, heckled about it too much. Yeah. Um, when it was, it was for the most part friendly, just yeah. messing around. So I, I don't fun. carry, you know, any kind of stigma there. But I, I think one of the coolest things about it is you get to get a perspective of two really different ways of thinking, or maybe three. Mm. Um, even between Oaxaca and Puebla, people think very differently. And then, you know, between uh, people from America and then Mexico, people think differently. And so in our house, we would always speak English. Um, that was my parents' way of making sure that we spoke English and learned how to speak it. Um, we did homeschool for a fair amount of years. Mm-hmm. So we had, you know, a fair amount of American influence, music, movies. Um, we'd go back to the States to visit or renew our papers. 
So fairly consistently, we got in touch with kind of our American roots, our American family, the American way of thinking. Um, but then we grew up in Mexico, surrounded by a totally different culture, totally different way of thinking, totally different way of, you know, the way families operate and doing things. Um, you know, there's a lot of similarities, but there's a lot of differences. And I think for me, it was cool to be able to be somewhere in between yeah. <laughs> to try and see the best in both cultures and hopefully embrace the best of both and shy yeah. away from some <laughs> of the stuff that um, I didn't love about, you know, either one of these in particular. Yeah. So I, I, I don't know how to describe it because it was all I knew. I don't have another point of reference or anything to compare it with. Mm. But I can say I, I think my life is richer for it. Yeah, <laughs> I think it's. Um, I would I'd say it's been a privilege to yeah. to grow up here. I think I have so much more appreciation for what I have and the people I know and the way I live than I would have if I hadn't been able to experience this. Yeah. Well, you you finished school, um, high school. You you went to the states. You were there a, couple, a few years. Right. Was it two or three? Um, it was just over two. Okay, yeah. yeah. So I knew, I knew it was in that range. Uh, so you've got sort of a baptism in in U.S. culture. I remember you told yeah. me a story about getting your driver's license. Oh, yeah. yeah. And for those of you who have driven or ridden in Mexico, <laughs> you'll know there are some differences. It, funny, these days when I'm in Mexico and I'm driving, I just instantly shift into I'm yeah. driving in Mexico. Crazy mm -hmm. mode. I'm going, I'm passing 18 wheelers that are on the side of the road yeah. and other cars are coming and I'm just yeah. doing it. Yeah. And, uh, but didn't, didn't you, you had a little trouble if I remember right about getting yeah, your license. I, I what failed like there? three times <laughs> driving tests in the States. So technically I already had a license. I had a license in Mexico. Right. Yeah. And I drove with my family, um, from Puebla, Mexico to Minneapolis in Minnesota, yeah. which is about a 40 hour drive. And oh. so I drove myself there to take the driving test to get my U S license, but I failed. And basically I just learned too many habits that, um, weren't approved or sanctioned. Um, honestly, they were just being ridiculous. They should have given me a license. Yeah. I'm a great driver, but I, anyway, thought so. I might have sassed back at them and talked back and stuff like might that, have. but that, that complicated things. Um, <laughs> Well, yeah, eventually I got a license and we're all good. <laughs> well, I'm, the story I remember is like you, you, there was traffic merging or something and you yeah. got in front. You, you know, I you, was accused you, of cutting someone off. Yeah, that's what I remember. You said, the yeah. guy said, Hey, you cut that guy off. He said, Hey, I had all this room. And that's one thing you notice between Mexico and the U.S. is the room between cars. Yeah. <laughs> there, oh, yeah. there is a lot of difference between those yeah. two things. It's crazy. Yeah. So crazy. they were over the top Minnesota nice in that situation. I, I didn't really cut him off, but anyway, it was too close for comfort for my driving instructor. And, yeah. Uh, I had to retake the test. Yeah. Well, I'm, I'm, I'm tracking with you. I, uh, comfort zones, I think are, you know, the more comfort zone we have, the more we want, yeah. you know what I mean? And so that's seen, I think, very clearly in the U.S. Yeah. driving. That's one thing uh, Philippe said, a friend, you know, who's yeah. here with us. He said, I can't believe in the U.S. how far everybody is away from each other yeah. on the road, you know. Like, don't come within 20 feet of me, yeah. you know, or whatever, or 100 or whatever it is. So you, you, you finished up there. And when you got back, I think this nice lady beside you might have been here in Puebla serving. So maybe we can get Yvonne to tell a little bit about her story. Where are, You're not from Puebla. You are I'm from not. from Mexico. I Yeah, I was born also in Oaxaca, which is place. funny 
No way. I was born in Oaxaca. I did not know that. A few months before. I'm not going to say how many months before, but a few yeah. months before. Um, him. <laughs> yeah. But then we moved to Juarez, which is a border with El Paso, right. Texas. Yeah. It was very popular for very wrong, bad reasons. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. So I was, I grew up there. I was there for 20 years. And then okay. I came, I think I came when he had been already here for like a year okay. or so. I, I had it confused in my head because some of those days, during some of those days, I was, mm-hmm. I was traveling here and, and yeah. visiting. And uh, so I, I don't think I knew you were born in Oaxaca. Were, was your family from Oaxaca? No, my parents worked or my dad worked for some governmental mm-hmm. um, institution. And so they moved him around. He actually was in Mexico City, Aguascalientes, yeah. uh-huh. Oaxaca, Oaxaca, and we ended up in, what? in Juarez, Juarez doing what? something totally different. But yeah. my parents are still there, and yeah. that's my hometown. Okay. That's so were, were your your family roots, were they Mexico City? Or, or I mean... From all over, because my mom's mom is German. Okay. So we're, yeah, from all from over all the place. Over. My dad is more rooted from Aguascalientes, so okay. that's down well, south Mexico. Yeah. I love Aguascalientes. It's, yeah. it's, uh, I really, really like it. Mm-hmm. Yes, yeah. it's awesome. It is. So, yeah, so he had been here, uh, he had been back from his uh, voyages abroad and educating <laughs> and all that yeah. for, for a year. Yeah. And then you came down, you came down to serve and, and something was going on. I was trying out full-time ministry. I, I just wanted to try it out for four and a half months and I've been here for over 10 years. (laughs) So that's the longest four and a half months of my life. Sound like the trial went well. (laughs) Yeah, it went, it went good. So Yeah. yeah, um, I came here and I, I think I did. 10 different things before just finding yeah, my, my really yeah. big passion was. And I mean, we've been married for nine years, so yeah. um, he's one of my big passions. Um, yes, absolutely. <laughs> Happy anniversary, Thank you. by the way. Thank, Thank you. you. Nine years. Nine years. Nine years. Wonderful. Wonderful. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah, we've been working together since then. <laughs> I don't know if she mentioned this, but she's a school teacher. Mm-hmm. And so um, one of her best friends was a friend with my sister. And okay. she had spent a summer at the orphanage um, just with the kids. Uh-huh. So that's kind of how we both heard about it. Okay. And she initially came and, you know, was accepted to live here because of, you know, her teaching ability. She had volunteered to come teach for free. So we don't usually turn that away. <laughs> and that, that was kind of her end. And the idea was that she was going to, you know, try this idea of missions and ministry out for a while. Yeah. yeah. And I think being here was kind of, it was meant to be like a trial by fire to see if this is my thing or, or if I should just, you know, kind of. Well, I tried it, and now I can move on with my right. life. And yeah. it was a big deal because even like I am Mexican, like yeah. my first language is Spanish, and like these are my roots. But really, the border towns are not Mexico. They're 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 so they're I was not, very yeah. proud of myself being all Mexican, and I was maybe like, that, maybe that they're not Mexico is like, like a, the, a big statement. 
but right. they're very culturally. different culturally. They're, they're right. Culturally, yeah. it's a it's there's a tide pool that's on both yeah. sides of the border. Yeah. You know yeah. what I'm saying? And I think yeah. even in America, the far north is a lot different from the south. Oh yes. so in Mexico, yeah. we have yeah. same. It's not this exact same yeah. differences, but yeah. there's a change as you move yeah. further south in yeah. the country. But I yeah. really thought oh, I got this. Like I'm just going to Puebla. It's not going to be that bad. It was a shock. <laughs> like, like for reals, it was a shock. It yeah. was a shock for at least. Like, the biggest shock was at least the first two weeks here. I mean, I'm very emotional, but I cried every night thinking, what am I doing yeah. here? Should I just go back to Juarez? Or Serious. Seriously. And yeah. she's, like, she's very hardcore. Yeah. <laughs> but the, the thing is, when she came here, she lived in with um, the kids from the orphanage. Yes. So I mean, oh, for wow. people listening who don't know much about what we do here. Um, yeah, we, give us a rundown on what you guys yeah, do. I mean, just real basic. But the ministry here started in Puebla as an orphanage. And so okay. we would um, basically rescue kids off of the streets, um, kids in at-risk situations, um, trafficking, abuse, um, mm-hmm. things like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so they live in um, at the orphanage full time and we provide food, education, care and everything you would for a kid as if it was your own kid. Okay. And in in our system, um, the kids are usually taken care of by staff who live in with them six days a week um, Mm -hmm. for 24 hours a day while they're with Mm -hmm. them. And so Yvonne went from being um, fairly independent, you know, having an income, a car, a vehicle, freedom, to all of a sudden spending six full days a week with, I can't remember how many kids you had when you first moved in here. I had 12, from three to seven. Okay, so she moved into a dormitory. She wasn't alone. There were other, um, you know, staff members with her. But it's just intense. It's really, um, (laughs) it's a shock for someone who's not used to it. Yeah, I, like, the way I describe it is just being single and then the next day being a single mom of 12. It was just like, how do I do this? Like, how do I even parent these wow. kids? And yeah, it's being far away from home. Like it, it was, it was tough. Yeah. Was, yeah. 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 So it was intense. And then during those first four months we met, um, but we didn't start dating until about six months after she had been here. So, um, she had a chance to choose, I guess. And after that, I persuaded her to stay longer. Yes. Yeah. Well, awesome. Yeah. Well, now uh, we could go in all sorts of directions from right here, <laughs> right but I'm, 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 I'm loving. Uh, I thought I knew all the story, okay? So okay. I guess I'm like, I did not know you were a school teacher. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. What was, I mean, tell me about that. What was your training? What, what was your teaching? Uh, what were you trained to teach? Um, elementary, okay. basically. Yeah, yeah. elementary yeah. education. So yeah. I, I had been working for six years already. Okay. In like private, the private system. Uh-huh. Is, is that? Yeah. Private mm-hmm. schools. Yeah, private yeah. schools. Yeah. But then I was going to try and apply for the governmental positions. Uh-huh. So if like my plan B was if Puebla, leaving whole Esperanza Viva, uh-huh. fails per se, uh-huh. I was going to go back to yeah, Juarez. Yeah. But I, God just found me and it was so fun because some of the things I'm doing now, I think I dreamt about when I was like eight years old. Wow. And then God reminded me of um, those first months. Just Mm. like, remember you prayed for this. Remember you wanted this. Remember Mm. you wished this. So yeah, here I am. (laughs) This is my home now. Well, that's super, that's super cool. Yeah. So let's, let's talk a little bit about like the, 
the you mentioned the orphanage piece of the ministry, and and right. and that was kind of the founding element. Right. You guys went on to add some other elements right. uh, over the years. So after the orphanage, I think the next big piece that came into play was a uh, school. So now we have a K through 12 school. Okay. Um, and it's open obviously for the kids at the orphanage, but now it's also open to kids in the community. I think at this point we have more kids from the community who are living with their own families, um, attending the school. Okay. Then we do kids at the orphanage. But one of the reasons for that was that the, the kids that we received, um, because of, their background. Um, most of them were behind in school. They hadn't been attending or they were just, um, you know, their age didn't correspond with the grade with, level, with their yeah. grade level. And yeah. so at the time, the public school system here really didn't have, um, the resources or I, I don't know, um, a way to help them. Yeah. And so we, we had 12-year-old kids assigned to first grade and, um, you know, it made them feel awful because they're surrounded by little kids mm-hmm. who know more of the alphabet and read better than they do. So it, they, they just really struggled with school. Some of our kids had learning disabilities and uh-huh. the, the system just wasn't designed for that. It wasn't um, able to cope with them very well. And so yeah. most of our kids were becoming really frustrated with school. They weren't progressing. Um, and then they were starting to have trouble at school, I think, because of that. Yeah, um, and so eventually we just realized um, a lot of these kids need more specialized attention. They need a different system. They need um, to be met at their level and grow from there. And so we developed our own school system to work with them. And initially it was for them. Um, and then over time, you know, we've been doing this, or the orphanage has been around, I should say, for over 20 years now. Mm-hmm. So over time, that's kind of developed into mm-hmm. a full-blown school for um, you know kids from all kinds of backgrounds. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So, so and that, the two years ago, right, you guys opened the school to right community. to the community. Right. Up until then, it had been mostly focused on the kids um, mm-hmm. from the orphanage, with a few right. exceptions. And then now, more recently, open to the community. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Very cool. So you've got the orphanage, uh, the school. Right. And then afterwards, um, my parents, during their time in Oaxaca, their passion was church planting. And it's kind of a long story, but they intended to do that when they arrived at Puebla. Um, Mm -hmm. In Puebla, um, they started to see kids living on the streets, um, kids asking for money at street corners, stoplights, which just wasn't as common in the rural village areas. Yeah. And so there's a whole series of events there um, that kind of left them with a burden to help these kids instead of trying to plant another church. Yeah. And so they they did that, I want to say, for about 10 years. before they tried to open another church here in the city. Okay, okay. But about 10 years into it, after the school, after the orphanage were off the ground, um, they felt like they were supposed to start a church again. Mm -hmm. So they started Nations Church here in the city. And then along with that, um, it's not a seminary, but I'm just going to say a ministry training center. Okay. Um, It's not a very attractive name. It sounds better in Spanish, but um, (laughs) they they wanted to be able to help train um, young people from Mexico um, for missions, for ministry, and to be able to work at places like our orphanage. And so those two ministries came on afterwards, and now have really grown to a point where they... um, they're all kind of interrelated, but most of our staff now comes through the school of ministry or through the church. Okay. And they're, um, we, we have a really great system now to where we recruit and train people to work for the kids. And it's really increased, um, the standard and quality of care our kids are getting. Right. Yeah. I, I've, uh, I've seen that grow. It's been, it's been yeah. awesome. Mm-hmm. Um, so you got the ministry training center, 
the church, mm-hmm. right. the orphanage, the school. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's got to be something else. And also, when do you have time? Because <laughs> okay. you guys got a lot going on. Is there something that I'm... Yeah, that I guess we the other big piece is um, what we would call Living Hope International, which is a 501c3 in the yeah. States. Uh-huh. And that has kind of a missions focus. Um, obviously, to Puebla, we host um, short-term missions. Um, yeah. We help people along the way who are doing missions in other parts of Mexico. I think at this point we've had somewhere around 10,000 people come either through or to Puebla um, mm. that we've been able to assist in some way. Right. And so that's a pretty big part of what we're doing. And the hope with that is eventually um, to facilitate um, Puebla serving as a launching pad for other countries in the world to where mm. we can reproduce some of what we're doing here, um, whether that's an orphanage, a school, a church, or a Bible school in other parts of the world. So, wow, um, that, that's still a little ways into yeah. the future, but that would be kind of the fifth element, the missions arm or missions branch. Okay. We've um, done a lot of local missions in Mexico. Mm-hmm. We've started a second orphanage um, up towards the border near right. um, McAllen, Texas, mm-hmm. and Matamoros on the Mexico side. Right. And so I think that's kind of the beginnings of this. Um, we continue to reach out to Oaxaca, um, some mm-hmm. of the rural villages. We continually send teams um, out that way. And our, our hope is to be able to take this outside of Mexico. Wow. Well, that's, that's, uh, that's cool. And it's also, I mean, I mean, that compared to maybe the normal nine to five <laughs> is, you know, kind of probably the stark contrast that you experienced in your first two weeks here yeah. in terms of, what's involved yeah. i mean it's not like you know you you get your uh, briefcase on the way out the door and you yeah. and you know you, you yeah. bring it back and set it down on the way back you know like is uh, probably common in terms of some kind of workflow right. that people in the states are used to um and that's i mean you guys have seen i think this vision the general vision that you're right. talking about has been been kind of uh on the table for a long time but in recent years, you, you guys have, you know, you've made surges of progress, I right. would think. When I first came, you guys were down in, in that little Momokspan area, mm-hmm. uh, and you were doing your stuff. You were doing your stuff, and you are doing your thing there. But your facilities were all scattered yeah. around that area of right. town. Mm-hmm. And then so in the last, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to date myself here a little bit because I can't right. remember exactly when it was. But we, we, we were coming in the mid to late 2000s, the property you guys have now right. as a mission space was kind of coming online at that time right. um, in a different part of the city and all together mm-hmm. as one. That's been a big step, yeah, I right. think. Yeah. Uh, and now you've got uh, 10, maybe 10 buildings on the property or I don't know, maybe more than that. But it's 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 been Year over year, you guys have put new buildings on the property. Right. I don't know how many acres or hectares the, the space is, mm-hmm. but it's quite a mission space. It's quite a yeah. base. Um, and you also are in the process on, on a second church, right? right? Yeah, you got a second congregation that meets fairly mm-hmm. close to the, to uh, you know, in, in, in a separate but not too far away part of the city. I haven't been there yet. Sorry about that. So this vision has got, Mm-hmm. a root system you know right and i'm 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 excited about that so yvonne what did you find you found your niche along the way i did what you really love <laughs> i well we were we, we met the need of having um uh, 
just youth meetings and uh-huh. um I I grew up in an amazing church and uh-huh. the youth group was just I think my generation was privileged because of the love our pastors put into the youth group yeah. just like I don't know teaching us and helping us just find what God had for us and whatever missions trips and and conferences and different things. So when we got engaged, we were offered to just like restart a youth group. Mm-hmm. And that's mainly what we've been doing. I mean, amongst a bunch of different stuff here and there. Yeah. yeah. Um, we've been doing the youth group for nine and a half years, probably. And I think that is probably one of my biggest passions to just see young people find God's calling for their lives and just fulfilling it. Yeah. And whatever that means, like for me, it meant I needed to go through my college and finish my degree and maybe work on that specific degree for a few years, but then just coming, Mm. coming over here and doing something totally different. But that's what opened the door for me. Like I I am just passionate when I see young people finding their thing or getting excited about something. And just like, I don't know a lot of the young people that work here as staff members and Mm -hmm. they, they come through the Vina, the school of ministry, and then they fall in love with the kids. And it's like, Oh, I never knew how much I love the kids, but this is what I want to do. And then they go back to their home churches and then, they're talking about just doing things for kids or doing some kind of reproducing the school of ministry. Or mm-hmm. I just love how people can use their strength and their best years yeah. to just serve the Lord. So I think that's one of my biggest passions um, to just see young people get yeah. fired up for wow. the Lord. So, yeah. yeah. And it was such a big part of your life. I mean, yeah. and a shaping part of your life. It's yeah. pretty cool that you kind of now are getting to take something that was well. I mean, this is fruit for your pastors, yes. right? Yes, right yes, here, definitely. What you guys are doing. Yeah. That's wonderful. Yeah. And I've yes. also heard you sing. They say. <laughs> I love singing. <laughs> well, it, you know what yeah. was funny? I don't love um, singing because I'm terrible at it. Okay, everything <laughs> makes love, sense now. Yeah. <laughs> now I understand. Now I get it. So I used to be a part of the worship team back in my home church. Uh-huh. I never led a song. Never. Seriously? I was always the back Like you were on, like, the, on the background vocals. Yeah, exactly. But like way in the background. <laughs> way in the way background. Way in the background. They, so, did they turn on your mic? Uh, one time they didn't. And I was just like, oh my goodness. Okay. I'm done with this. I'm so, done with this. I'm so done. Yeah. Yeah. So anyway, when I came here to Puebla, I was so in love with Josh. He was not in love with me. Or he, he says he was, but he couldn't show it because of rules and whatever. Whatever. Hmm. I was playing it cool. <laughs> so anyway, <laughs> one time um, our, he wanted to take our main worship leader to some camp up in the mountains. And I'm sitting next to the worship leader. And Josh is like, so dude... I want to take you to the mountains, to this camp. And he's like, no, I can't do it because I have worship this upcoming Friday. And Josh turns to me and he's like, you could lead worship, wouldn't you? 
And I was so in love with him that I said, sure, I'll do it. (laughs) Yeah. And I found my passion. Like I found, I, I had a, a passion for just singing and just, leading worship and seeing people getting all passionate about it so my love for him helped me found my come on right i'm learning so much <laughs> i mean you kind of are responsible in some way he is. for He's finding done. this man <laughs> we wow that's awesome her in the right direction <laughs> they did yeah. yeah so you're you you guys now the work youth and I think youth group in Mexico and ministry here is, is slightly different than what we have in the States. You know, I mean, it's like right. it's like college career or, or and how does that work here? I know it works differently, but I don't know how. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's like we, we initially started working with um, high school and then college age youth. OK. Um, a little bit of that was into the career stage, but most of the people that were still in college. OK. Um, and I think we've had a lot of. Um, just opportunity here and different roles throughout our time here. Uh-huh. But that's probably, I think, the one role that really hasn't changed during our mm-hmm. time. Yeah. So we've, I mean, we've helped in all kinds of things, but that's just kind of the right. one consistent piece. I guess yeah. we, we really love doing it, so we're, we're sticking yeah. with it. Mm-hmm. At this point now, though, we're um, helping and overseeing all of our, I'm just going to call it youth under the umbrella of zero to, like, 25-year-olds right. in different yeah. um, capacities yeah. And, yeah. and different ways. But we've kind of expanded our initial role into the children's ministry now and then into people that are a little bit past the college area and into the career stage. Okay, mm-hmm. yeah. yeah, That's what I thought. Um, I knew it was a little bit different. I mean, youth group in, in the U.S. is like, yeah. junior, high like high junior high and doesn't go past okay. like mm-hmm. high school. Uh, or you have to be 13 to get in, and then right. 18 you're 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 out, or whatever, something yeah. like that. Mm-hmm. So it's mm-hmm. a little bit broader uh, uh-huh. here, and for that reason, you guys have you know you ministered across a bigger cross section of people. But I guess if you get married, you kind of are out of the youth group, yes. right? That's and, the plan, yeah. and that's the <laughs> difference, I guess. That is a really it's a fairly defined line, mm-hmm. if you will, in yeah. the, in the way the culture works. Very cool. So, and let's talk for a minute just about your family because this, this like uh, love inferno, (laughs) you guys are so like madly in love with each other that you started a family. We started a family. And I've got special affection for uh, your little kiddos because it it takes me back a few years. Yeah, I could imagine. And the same symmetry of, you know, the kind and quality and you know all that yeah 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 what about your family we have a six-year-old a four-year-old and a two-year-old wow girls wild so we've got we've got an interesting kind of six two four and nope (laughs) and a a puppy maybe soon or something (laughs) but that was i'm gonna have about adopting maybe okay yeah yeah Yeah. our our youngest is still in diapers and we're hoping to clear the diaper stage before we like really seriously sit down with anything else yeah well i've got to say you guys have a tight rotation there six four two yeah Yeah. wow (laughs) intentional folks good work guys good work and three little girls girls. yeah yeah. My my heart, I'm telling you, I had three little girls at one time. They were spread out a little bit mm-hmm. uh broader 
then that was 10 years between our three. Okay. So, you know, it was four and a half and then five and a half, I guess, between, you know, in two, uh-huh. two gaps there. But yeah, wow. Yeah. Little girls, there's something else. Yeah. They're yeah. constant education for dads. I they mean, are. I'm still being educated. I'm still be I'm still I'm still in school. Yeah. You too? Yeah, yeah. I'm learning a lot. Yeah, you're I'm, I'm you're, working through it. You're an awesome dad though. I gotta say that yes. I've I've observed you uh and uh um, that's all, I mean, you you just got away with them. face on when you're around. You know, look good, you're running excellent game. Smile, Let me smile, just say that. Smile. Yeah, you're just the, the girls have not busted you in front of me. Dad, that's okay. not what you normally do. I, I don't know, understand. No. We've got a system with them. <laughs> it, no, it works out. They they're, they're really good kids. We, yeah. we love it, and yeah, it, it changes everything. Um, wow, kids. Kids change everything. Mm. Learn more from kids than any kind of college right. or Bible yeah. school. I'm um, saying. Kids, yeah. kids will teach you a lot. Kids raise the parents. That's what I have said for a long time. It, and and it is it, true. It's, it's totally true. true. Yeah. It's that kind of responsibility. Yeah. It, you have to reach somewhere else in your side yourself, you know, and, and find uh, and also in God's grace and yes. find, you know, what it's going to take to, yeah. to, to, to go there. Those are the two things that mature you as a Christian. I think it's marriage, mm. goodness, mm. and kids. Yeah. Yeah. Oh my goodness! Wow. Yeah, it's like, yeah. <laughs> it's like, oh Lord, I'll, I'll I'll be near you. I need you more than. <laughs> yeah, and I guess a lot of things in life are this way, but you can't fully understand it until you experience it. Yeah. Right? Um, yeah. You know, I grew up around the orphanage, um, working with the kids in some capacity. So I thought even before I had kids that I had at least some of the basics down. Yeah. Um, but then you have kids of your own and they're with you all the time and just, yeah, you realize how much you don't know. Wow. Yeah. 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 No matter how much you, and maybe especially how much you thought you knew, you know, you, if yeah, you get a lot that, of the things you know, you yeah. realize you didn't know what you were yeah. talking about. That they, washes out. What yeah. did they say? You're a good parent until you become a parent or something <laughs> yeah. like that. In your mind, yeah. at least. Yeah. It's yeah. I, I, yeah. I could say that true in my case as well. Yeah. So, you guys are, um, I mean, right now you're you're experiencing some church growth. I know you guys have got a lot mm-hmm. of ministry goals and things of that nature. Yeah. But uh, what would you like to say about just some forecast stuff? Uh, and then we'll wrap it up with, sure. you know, how people could get in touch with or know more about the ministry yeah. and those kind of things. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I mean, I guess on the forecast side, I I love Mexico, obviously. And I see an awesome emerging church in Mexico. Mm. Not that there isn't a great church right now, but um, over time, the church in Mexico has been growing. It's yeah. hard to get an exact number, and I'm just, you know, off the top of my head trying to remember these statistics without messing it up too much. But I, I think uh, I'm not far off when I, I say the evangelical church, the kind of born again believers in Mexico, uh-huh. the. Mm-hmm that church has almost doubled over the last 20 years. Wow. And the indicators now are that that's, you know, continuing to grow and and moving in the right direction. And so I guess I'm really excited, not just our church, but church, you know, at large in Mexico. Um, You know, as I talk to different pastors in the city, um, it's hard for me to find a church in our city that's not growing. So that that's really encouraging. Obviously, I want our our own church, the church that I you know attend, to thrive. But I see our our city, the churches in our city, 
um, as a whole really progressing. And then as you, you know, kind of travel around Mexico and see some of what God's doing in the country, it's, um, it's really encouraging to see where things could be headed to, um, as I see the type of leaders being raised up, the mm-hmm. type of pastors, um, yeah. just, I, I don't know, I see a lot of energy, a lot of calling, a lot of promise in the church mm-hmm. in Mexico at large. So wow. I think over time you're going to be hearing some amazing things coming out of Mexico, yes. some amazing missionaries and pastors and musicians and authors. Um, I, I feel in some cases that they haven't, quite had their time yet um, yeah. not that great things haven't come out of Mexico sure, but sure. I feel like um, the best really is yet to come in Mexico and I know that phrase maybe is um, overused but I feel with the Mexican church that's that's yeah. the case right now awesome things have happened but I am convinced that the best is, is really still yet to come in Mexico mm-hmm. and I, I'm hoping to be around to see some of that it could take time <laughs> I realize this but yeah. I, I think if things continue the way they are, and I, obviously I think God is behind this and something amazing is on the way. So yeah. I, I'm Amen. excited. Yeah. Amen. I think that's awesome. Like uh, you've got a trajectory of hope there. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> and something tells me you're going to be around. Yeah. I, I feel pretty sure. Uh, <laughs> or or it feels in at least likely. Yeah. <laughs> at least till he gets these girls raised, right? <laughs> you're Please. sticking around. Please. Yeah. Of course you're, you're rooted. And thank God for it. But the the you know what some folks may not realize is that the gospel is fairly young right. in Mexico. It's not like uh, you know um, it's not like uh, what you know the the great awakenings in the seventeenth and eighteenth century in the United States. You know, right. it's a different, con- completely different context in right. terms. Not only of the way the gospel was introduced, maybe, right. but also the way the gospel, you know, when it it kind of, mm-hmm. you know, got got going here. Yeah. Can you take just a minute and kind of give us a brief on how long the gospel, I mean, how long has evangel, evangelical Christianity been, uh, you know, an, uh, you know, going? Yeah. How long has it been? I know in Oaxaca, your dad was part of the process that got that started. And he's, you know, still doing his thing. So it was not even a lifetime ago. Mm-hmm. Okay, so that's a big question. <laughs> well, I mean, I'm gonna sorry. Try and sorry, it. yeah, um, sure. I, I think, you know, Christianity um, was introduced to Mexico in a very forceful way. It basically, you know, Catholicism right. was introduced during the Spanish conquest of Mexico. Right, yeah. And it's, it, was di- it was different from some places in the sense that it wasn't really a choice for a lot of people. It was right. forced on them. Yeah. Um, traditionally in Mexico, some of the ways they sort of protested against this was by mixing some of their previous traditions and beliefs with the kind of new system that was forced on them. Uh-huh. And so I, I wouldn't go as far as to say that none of them are Bible-believing Christians or anything right. like that. But there is an element um, in Mexico where it's become part of the culture. Right. Um, you know, I've done interviews on the streets, um, just questionnaires and things like that. And you can actually find a fair amount of people that would consider themselves atheists, but would also consider themselves um, Catholic, um, more for cultural reasons than for religious um, or spiritual reasons. Interesting. And and so that um, you know that type of ideology has been around for a while. I would yeah. say even Catholicism in Mexico, um, from what I've been able to see and experience, is very different than what you would find in the United States of course. or other parts of the world. So different, yeah. Um, and so you know that's kind of a long talk. I, I don't think we have time to get into it here, but. <laughs> 
Yeah, I'm thinking more about evangelical, right? Uh, as you say, born again, Bible believing. Right. What? What? I mean, there was a time when that kind of started. Yeah. I, I mean, it's and it's not so far back as I as I've been told or as I understand. Right. Um, I, I would say, and not that there couldn't have been some pioneer, but uh, bigger steps towards this, they say, are the um, Baptist and Methodist churches, about okay. 70, at the most, 80 years back. Um, wow. Really as seeds, and then over time, that's that's progressed. But I, I think it would be fair to say that at least half of the existing um, evangelical church in Mexico is first generation. Right. Um, it's not um, something that's you know been around for a hundred and some years or that's been passed down three or four generations. In most cases, um, this is still a first generation thing. And if you can find an evangelical church in Mexico that um, you know has more than fifty years of history, um, that that's the exception in most cases. Right. Okay. That's the way I understood it. Yeah. So I can see with that, I can really see your sort of the optimism yeah. in terms of what's possible, where, mm-hmm. where it could yeah. go. And, and, and there's a lot of greenfield opportunities still right. left here. Right. I mean, you know, a lot of sort of untouched people who haven't been confronted by the sacrifice of Jesus in a, in, in a personal way right. that, uh, that, that might have to, you know, maybe they were baptized or confirmed or, or you know, they had yeah. some some kind of traditional right. experience, but they hadn't been confronted with a, a personal decision or some kind of the cross is right in front of me in the sense right. that I need to give my life mm-hmm. uh, and, 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 you know, surrender right. to the claims of Christ or something like that. So that's super cool to me. And I think you guys are well positioned to right. see some of this mm-hmm. growth, and mm-hmm. and uh, yeah, yeah. I, I'm yeah. I'm thankful for that. I really yeah, am. So are we. Mm-hmm. And these are really, I would just say, times of transition. Okay. At least yeah. in our city, um, we have dozens of universities in Puebla. Um, yeah, and so that that's also something fairly new. Um, you know, on a national standard, just a huge access to education that hadn't been around before. Right. Um, a lot of the kind of previous traditions are slowly fading. A lot of the just youth in Mexico aren't embracing them quite as wholeheartedly as before. Right. And so it, it really is a time of change, a time of transition. And within that, I think there's a lot of opportunity for the church um, to grow and at least yeah. to get the message out. Um, people are asking questions. People are open. People are curious. And that for us is a huge opportunity. Yeah, absolutely. So, I mean, we're going to keep we're going to keep this in prayer, right? right. I mean, I think uh, it's important that we, you know, step back from what's normal for right. for all of us and get a sense of what God's doing in the world. You know, well, what are you doing, Lord? Mm-hmm. Where and you know how can we sort of honor that, appreciate that, uh, get involved in mm-hmm. that, have mm-hmm. some have some. Uh, contribution or at least uh, in prayer or however it works, uh, which leads me to my next uh, question and final. I mean, if somebody wanted to know more about you guys, uh, (laughs) about like uh, how to be in touch with what you guys are up to and maybe, you know, even to get involved. I know there's a ton of short term mission work. 
that happens right here. And you guys are super squared away. You've been doing it a long time. And all of those sort of random and one-off fears that people think about when it, you know, they think about coming to Mexico. No, we're not under the sound of gunfire here (laughs) in the home of Josh and Yvonne. Thank you. You know, I mean, you guys have done it a bunch. And, you you know, we're not in the crosshairs over here just, you know, sweating bullets trying to get the recording done. (laughs) You know, it's it's not what it seems if you watch the watch the. You know, the usual suspects uh, mm-hmm. <laughs> gobbing off on the news. So what what uh, what can someone know about what you guys do in terms of social media, the Internet or, or, you know, how would they find more information and how might they get involved? Maybe somebody said, oh, you guys have an orphanage. I've just been looking for a connection to, you know, have mm-hmm. some exposure to that and maybe get some involvement. What would people do to find that? Right. I think one of the easiest ways is obviously the internet. Yeah. Um, www.lovehopemercy.org is the ministry's website. If you plug into that, you can get connected with the orphanage. Um, and then through that off, honestly, um, to the short term missions and to everything else that's going right. on here. That site kind of consolidates yeah, all the different that, departments. There's a lot going on there. Um, uh-huh. We have, you know, a few other things going on with social media, but if okay. you wanted to, you could look us up as Josh uh, or Yvonne McNally. Um, on Facebook, and my wife is more active on Instagram. I'm not a great missionary, I guess, because I'm not. But if you look, for how her, could you be a millennial page, missionary oh without posting yeah. on Instagram for at least four times? That, that was maybe per day. Collateral. I, yes. I came out um, with you know most of myself intact, but social media just hasn't had um, a huge strong to me. I've struggled to get involved. Well, it seems like to me it's waning with you know people in terms of fatigue. Yeah, I mean, you got to pick a thing and go with it. You know what I'm saying? I, I, I've got to say, but if you want to fight, Twitter is where you want to go. Okay. I, I, I was no, I oh, never yeah. enjoy it. Yeah. Twitter, I, I tried that, but She's I didn't like to fight. She doesn't like to fight with people. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. Maybe I should get on Twitter. <laughs> get your Twitter. <laughs> <Great. laughs> Yeah, you'd be awesome at Twitter fights. And there are so many options for that out there. So lovehopemercy.org. Yes. Yes. And uh, I think the ministry also has some presence on Facebook, or or it did it did at one time. Mm-hmm. I, I mean, I, I, I don't spend too much time on Facebook, though I uh, am Facebook famous. I just don't. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's also Living Hope International for Facebook. Okay, Living yeah. Hope International for Facebook. And folks can find out about short-term work, uh, yes. sponsoring, yes. Um, you know, you know, just all the stuff you get. The church, if maybe, mm-hmm. maybe somebody's in visiting, you know, central to South Mexico, or right. you know, or is hearing this and in, in, in the region, they can find out how to get in touch with there you guys. There are a bunch of different projects for giving and for being involved. So we mm-hmm. have stuff going on all throughout the year. So if you right. get plugged into that page you will find yeah. a bunch of stuff yeah you get newsletters and yeah all, this, all and this if stuff. there's something specific you're looking for that you don't find on the site just um send us an email there's some phone numbers on there that you can get in touch with us yeah sure u.s so, numbers right yeah US numbers. yeah and uh that's that's really cool i really just want to say thank you guys for for coming on the podcast and oh, thanks you know, for having us thanks for being awesome that's what people say, right? Don't yeah, they say yeah. thanks, thanks for being, being awesome? Hashtag. Yeah, hashtag. <laughs> you might nope. be the first person to say that to me, so um, 
Thank you. Thanks, All right. Right. Well, well, hey. specific phrase. Yeah, yeah. Well, hey, I uh, I am uh, going full gringo in these shorts in Mexico, <laughs> so I, I, I learned right. that uh, north of the border. Yeah. But no, thank you guys for being on. You're welcome. I'd like to have you on again, and I want to get you on the leadership moment when I'm not keeping you up so late at some yes. point. We can do it on the browser, right? <laughs> right. So, no, blessings to you guys. Yeah, and thank thanks. You. And uh, thank you for having us. We look forward to, to talking downrange. Cool. Sure. All right. Take care, guys. All right. This podcast made possible through the partnership of Engaging Mission Show, bringing missions home, and encouraging you to hear a message, make connections, and take action. Find out more at engagingmissions.com. Thanks for joining us for the FX Missions podcast from the forefront. If you'd like to find out more about FX Missions, please do so at our blog, fxmissions.com. Quite a bit of content out there. We hope you enjoy it. Also, if you'd like to rate us on iTunes or whatever podcast service you use, we would really appreciate it. And find out more about today's guest at our Facebook page. Just search for From the Forefront on Facebook. If you know of someone who should be featured on From the Forefront because of their Forefront missions, experience, or exploits, please reach out to us at info at fxmissions.com. Thanks again for joining us. And until next time, I'm Scott McClelland, and you have a good one.